To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers welcome to the opinionated bench warmers podcast episode 76 the opinionated bench warmers are back with another edition of the podcast. How y'all fellas feeling, man? Good, man. Ready to do it, man. So much has happened in the last week. It's just a lot for us to cover right now. Yeah, man. I'm good as well. And like, like you said, Russ, it's a lot to get to, a lot of exciting news, even especially specifically for us. So I'm ready to get into it as well, man. Well, let's get it cracking, man. The voice you're hearing is Rob. I'm in here with Ramon and Carlos, as, as always. We back for another edition of Cover This Sports World. First off, just thanking everybody for supporting us. T-shirts again are sold out. T-shirts will be out to the ones that pre-ordered, and before you know it, information will be out to collect and everything like that. We have the details. Like we said, it's not the first time. It's not the last time we'll be selling T-shirts. Of course, we'll just be on the lookout for the next time we open up everything in the link. Make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast, make sure that you're sharing with a friend. Uh, we're on multiple platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. So that's just a few that we're on. Make sure that you check us out on whatever you like to listen to podcasts and make sure that you're subscribing and leave a review if you feel inclined to. I don't know about y'all fellas, but I'm happy to get into it. But on another note, I'm very, very sad. And we're going to start off on a somber note. Uh, Joe Burrow went down with a gruesome knee injury this past Sunday as his Cincinnati Bengals were battling the Washington Redskins. It's been reported that it was a torn uh, Washington AC. football team. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Washington, fo- the Washington football team. Washington football team. Um, it was a gruesome injury. Uh, it was reports that it was a torn ACL and MCL. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever said it on air, but I know that I've said it off air, and I said that the Cincinnati Bengals have to get Joe Burrow alive, or they're going to get him killed. And figuratively speaking, he may not be killed, but he's done for the season, and even next season is in question. React, guys. Yeah, man, I think uh, it's been – I think, you know, the number one pick last year, you know, um, it's tough, I think, for that franchise to see that happen to him like that in that way, especially, you know, being, you know, more than halfway through the season. So, I don't know. I I, I was tough to watch. I was watching that game live, um, you know, and it's, it, you know, they're saying it's an ACL, MCL, and PCL damage. So, it sounds like a pretty serious injury. Um, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate, really unfortunate. Yeah, um, like you were saying, man, honestly, I, they, they're going to have to get him an offensive line there. You have to protect 
uh, your franchise guy. He is their franchise guy. And, you know, speaking from example, you know, we waited a while to really build that offensive line for Andrew Luck. And when I say we, I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts. You know, and Andrew Luck was looked to be a prized possession, was looked to be a guy that was, you know, going to be a franchise guy for so many years to come. And he took too many hits, honestly, early off in his career. And you saw his career, you know, be shortened by that. And that's something that you don't want to see from Joe Burrow. And so, you know, towards right at the end, that line was really built up in Indy, but they didn't build it soon enough. Um, you saw RG3, part of his was getting out of the pocket, but they still didn't build up a line around him quick enough. And so you have to protect uh, that prized possession. You have to protect a guy like Joe Burrow, who has shown us within his rookie season that he truly can be a franchise-changing quarterback. Um, and so I know that, you know, before that, they had mock drafts going around and they were flirting with the idea, you know, putting Jamar Chase over there, you know, to Cincinnati and all of that. But at the end of the day, you got to go out and get old line, man. You got to get old linemen, and that's the main thing. And so uh, Joe, I know that he's a, he's a tough guy. He's a mentally tough guy. So he's going to work his way back. He's going to do everything that he has to do uh, to get back to where, you know, he was. But, you know, it definitely was tough seeing that, especially being that, you know, we're from, you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so we definitely watched Joe Burrow at LSU. And so we've all been kind of rooting for him. And to see him go down was definitely tough. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, it's sad to see just, you know, with him being an LSU alumni. Uh, I mean, it, it does have a lot of implications because he, of course, he was a, he was a number one pick for a reason for a sorry Cincinnati Bengals team. But, it, you know, when you've seen clear signs of him potentially being a 10-year guy for them, being a franchise cornerstone, probably being one of the best franchise quarterbacks they've had in recent history, um, maybe you go back to Carson Palmer, you know, are even better than him. But, it, you know, it, it is it is sad to see. Um, another, you know, another alternate aspect to look at is that football is a brutal sport. Uh, you know, it, it is a fluke accident, and we do expect injuries to happen. But to me, I think he was just taking too, too many hits. I think that even statistically it was proven that as a rookie – he was gonna. He was on pace to take one of the. He was. Um, he was on pace to really, you know, take the, the most sacks as a rookie. So it, you know, it, when you see things like that, it's just you know, it's sad. I mean, even when you got a guy like him, who's just like you mentioned, Ramon, who's mentally there, uh, mentally strong, and is gonna be your guy for a while. It seems like you would. You need to address that offensive line, and at this point, it's just like. You got him throwing like almost 50 times a game. You know, you know, of course, you know, one would say, okay, the offensive line sucks. Why would you run? That's not going to predicate you being successful. But I mean, you throw him 50 times that every time he drops back to throw is more times that he's at risk of taking hits, especially when you have a poor offensive line. So I hate to see it. I think that what it will point to is that we got Trevor Lawrence, who has been probably you know, he was prognosticated to be the number one pick since he came into Clemson. And now he's a junior. So he this is his first year being eligible for the NFL draft. And you consider the two teams that are in line to get him and that if they consider to do so, and that's the Jets and the Jaguars right now, who are really kind of jockeying for position to get that number one pick. 
as a Trevor Lawrence right now, when I see, uh, you know, a Joe Burrow go to through what he's going to, would you be inclined to maybe wait another year, or would to and stay in college another year just because you don't want to really expose yourself to it to a disaster of a franchise? Or would you pull the Eli Manning, if you can, with leverage and try to push your way to another franchise? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think he waits. You know, it's just too much risk. You know, we've seen quarterbacks wait before and they stop fall, you know, they either get injured and things like that. I don't think he risk it. Um Matt Leonard is a good good um example of that. That takes it way back, probably way back before a lot of our listeners um, you know, was watching the sport. But Matt Leonard, he decided that that hot year he could have came out and he probably would have been the number one pick, but he ended up waiting and ended up dropping because someone else came, you know, the new best hot name kind of came along and uh, took it, uh, <clears throat> took it that, I mean, well, he had some, um, some, some top people going that draft, that same draft, um, you know, Reggie Bush being one, obviously. I think, uh, and, yeah, Vince Young went before him in that draft and Jay Cutler went before him in that draft. Right. So, I mean, you know, I don't think he should risk doing that. Um, So I think any chance he get, come out, you know. I think he – and his coach even said it as well. Yeah, I'll be very surprised if he comes back. So I don't see, you know, your boy coming back at all. Yeah, I I don't really see either option being a viable option. I just don't think currently that whole Eli force your way to another team is going to work. And I also don't buy the option of of sitting back and waiting because – what makes us think that a year from now the Jets are going to be any better? So why sit back and wait and then have that opportunity of coming out a year later and then still be, you know, projected to be the number one pick and you're still projected to go to the Jets or the Jags? We have no evidence that either one of those teams will improve, you know, tremendously within the next year or so. So, um, you know, with that, I know that it's, you know, can be difficult going to a franchise like that. You have this situation of Joe Burrow that's alarming. But at the end of the day, you just have to go whenever it's your time to go. And this is his time to go. Yeah, it's his time to go. Uh, I do think that it's, it's a thought that has to cross his mind uh, just as far as his future. Because Joe Burrow, the type of injury that he had, uh, I think they're equating it to um, – to, uh, about Alex Smith, maybe? No, not Alex Smith. Yeah. Uh, Philly, Philly, the uh, Eagles quarterback. Talking about Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz, they're kind of equating it to his knee injury in 2016. He was able to go, like, uh, the, I think week two of 2017 uh, for the injury. But it's just a gruesome injury, and you, you don't really – I'm. it's just so unnecessary, you know, for him to take that many hits. It's just, like, it's ridiculous, and – you know, I, I don't know. I, I hate to see a prize possession like Joe Burrow be, you know, kind of uh, put in that in the, in in ways harm just because you don't want to pad up the line. You know, it, it just it, it doesn't sit well with me. Um, we wish a speedy recovery to Joe. Uh, like he said, it's gonna take. Uh, like his tweet said, it's gonna take a lot more than that to get rid of him. I applaud the mentally tough aspect. Hopefully, he has a speedy recovery. Um, and hopefully the Bengals just get it right, man. I don't want to blame point fingers to anybody, but they, they they definitely have to address that line. One of the worst lines that I've ever seen in the NFL this year. Uh, maybe uh, the Eagles are up there with them, but they've been terrible all year. Um, you just want to stay off the Eagles, bro. You got to rub it in like every episode. Huh? Oh, yeah. Man, the Eagles suck. I mean, 
I think that we found that's a good transition just with Carson Wentz. He looked terrible. I mean, it's not just the line. He looks terrible. I think all confidence is shot. And I pose, I poked that uh, low saying that uh, because, of course, golf was taken number one and it passed on Wentz. I mean, I'm sorry, Wentz was taken before golf. And no. Uh-huh. Or was it the other way around? I'm thinking it right. It's the other way around, yeah. Yeah, golf I'm, oh, okay, okay. golf. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Golf was taken before Wentz, but of course, golf, I mean, Wentz got off to a quicker start as far as development than golf. But at this point, it's looking like, I mean, golf doesn't look that good, but it looks, he looks better than Wentz for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, you know, golf can, he's so night and day um, difference in how he plays. You know, he can have a, he looks like the top five quarterback and sometimes and then other times he make bonehead plays. So, but again, he does not look like Carson Wentz and it shouldn't even be a comparison. Carson Wentz is flat out just looking just completely lost out there on the field. He looks, and I said this and I tweeted this, um, you know, he looks like Blake Bortles out there. Really. He looks like Blake Bortles, you know, towards the end of his career. And it's just, he, he looks like a better quarterback. Yeah, honestly, like you were saying, don't have much too much to add. It's not even a comparison at this point. But Carson Wentz, it, it's just – it's almost kind of sad to see at points because sometimes you don't even understand. Like, you're trying to process, like, what is he even thinking in that moment? Like, it, it's some of the most, like, boneheaded decisions that it just – you would almost think – and I know he's not doing this, but you would almost think, like, he's purposely, like, throwing it to the other team, like – it's just the decisions that he's making are just some all-time terrible, some of the worst decisions I've ever made. I mean, not ever made, that I've ever seen made before. Um, and so it, it, it's just a tough sight to see. And honestly, like, I know that they have so much invested in him, and that's why they won't probably won't consider benching him. But, man, he's thinking up the joint. Like, I almost don't know how you could play any worse than that. Well, you heard Coach Peterson said that they would have benched him. That's like throwing a tile on the season, which I partly agree. Uh, their division is so bad that actually they're still in contention to make the playoffs. I, I think at this point, I think Carson Wentz has lost all confidence. I don't think he really has any type of confidence in his ability. I don't think that he believes in himself right now. I think he's in a bad, bad place. And it doesn't help that, hey, look, his offensive line does suck. Uh, they tried to get him another weapon in Jalen Rager. And Jalen Rager is is open majority of the time. They, he just can't get the ball to him. But I think that when your confidence is short, it all starts up here in his, in his mind. And I think that at that point, I think it's just – I think he's just at a point where, you know, I, I don't think that he is mentally there anymore. And I don't think that it helped that they did draft Jalen Hurts in this past draft. So I think that his – do y'all think – are y'all ready to say that his time in Philly is kind of winding down as a starting franchise quarterback? I, I'm not. I'm not ready to say that yet. Yeah, I think we'll see what he looks like next year. I think this year he's going to continue to be terrible, but we'll see what next year can hold. If it's still this same stuff next year, then I'm willing to take that step. Well, I think if it's anything, I mean, they, they gave him that contract. So, I mean, anything. I think that if the if the front office does bench him or does turn to Jalen Hurts, I think that it'll be a conviction of themselves. So, I feel like they're going to try to ride it as long as they can to make that type of transition. 
So we just saw a Monday night game with the Rams and the Buccaneers, of course. The Rams handled business, and we saw a very underperforming Tom Brady, uh, which is Talos' delight because he is a Rams fan. I'm actually going to defer to him for his thoughts on this Monday night football game that we saw last night with the Rams and the Bucks. man. What you thought about it, and what do you think about Tom Brady and the Bucks? Yeah, um, I thought it was a good game. You know, I've been seeing a lot of people saying Tom Brady doesn't look good. Tom Brady didn't look good. And I feel like it wasn't given enough credit of how well the Rams defended and made adjustments after halftime. And the Rams defense have, since week four, has been leading the leading, you know, secondary in the NFL, you know, as far as yards allowed, catches allowed, things like that. So um, I, I would say, you know, Tom Brady, he did struggle in the second half. He didn't do bad in the first half. But again, you got to look at the adjustments that the Rams made in that game. Um, and so, again, this game, if you look at it, it, it probably shouldn't have been close, as close as it was. It probably, the game probably should have been over, um, you know, after halftime. Um, you know, some, again, bonehead plays by golf that kind of kept the Bucks in that game um, and made it interesting towards the end. But again, Tom Brady... You know, it. I don't understand it because they lead the league in passes thrown over 20 yards. If that was the type of offense they were going to run, I don't know why they went and got Tom Brady. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. You know, so if they're going to be chunking it down the field, Tom Brady is not that type of quarterback, not right now in his career. Maybe when he had Randy Moss and stuff back then, you know, it was a time to do that. But right now he's not that type of quarterback. So um, something has to be fixed with them you know, sooner than later. Um, but the deep passes is just not Tom Brady's game at this point in his career. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And um, I almost – I'm kind of willing to say right now I'm not buying the Bucks for the rest of this season. And I know that they kept that game close, you know, like you were saying, that may should not have been close last night. But um, seeing big matchup after big matchup, um, excluding they did play well against Green Bay, but – those games against the Saints, you know, you saw them take the L to the Bears. You saw the way that they played Monday night. And to me, also, too, I just haven't totally bought this Bruce Arians-Tom Brady relationship. Like, to me, something is is off there. You see almost week after week, it seems like Bruce Arians is coming out and saying something about Tom or, you know, he's not reading the coverages or he can't, you know, throw the deep ball like, well, it's like, I feel like he keeps kind of poking that there's just something not going well behind closed doors. And it's almost leading me to believe that, you know, we talked for so many years about, you know, this Belichick and Brady thing. It's almost showing me that really they both needed each other, honestly, uh, because I'm just not buying Brady outside of, of, of that, seeing his connection with Arians. And then we know what's going on with the Patriots, but, um, I don't know. I'm just not buying the Bucks at this point. Uh, I feel like, I mean, they have that offensive talent out there and everybody was kind of jumping on the bandwagon. But just like you were even saying, you know, we talked off air. Anytime you can get some type of pressure on Tom Brady, you know, that pretty much, you know, that's his worst performing games. And so you look over there in the NFC and how is he going to, if he sees the Rams again, how is he going to get past them? If he sees that Saints D line, that front seven in the way that they've been playing, how is he going to get past them? Um, and so I'm just not buying the Bucks at this point. And um, I, I don't know if I ever was really totally on the bandwagon, but I'm definitely not on the bandwagon um, at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying uh, the Bucks at this point either, uh, actually. Uh, my Saints have beat them twice. But not only that, it's just it, 
it seems like with Bruce Arians and Tom, uh, he's been on <laughs> – Bruce been on Tom riding him all season long. And I don't know if it's just like a – I guess Bruce taking this uh, aspect of it to where, like, he's like, okay, you, you're the go, You got six rings, so you feel like you can come in here and just do whatever you want to do, you know, type thing. And I'm going to hold you accountable like I hold everybody else accountable. But whatever it is, I mean, they can't figure it out. It's like Lowe said, he can't throw the ball downfield like he used to. Um, I mean, I'm just – I don't know. I mean, I, I would probably have to see one more game before I'm able to write him off. But I think that right as of now, I mean, what, based on what you've seen, I mean, I don't think you could really, you know, expect much out of them, at least this year. And they yeah. threw so many stars at them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, they're one of those teams that, again, they try to put in so many pieces and, and they have good players. You know, there's no doubt of that. They have the talent. But, again, you can't just mix all these pieces and expect to just be good right off the bat. So, again, I wouldn't be surprised if this team trying to, kind of catch some steam towards the end and become better. But as of right now, speaking of today and the games that they played, the tough games they played, and, you know, the better half teams with good records they played, um, I would say, you know, they're not ready. They won't be there. But I wouldn't be surprised if this team pick up steam towards the end. It kind of reminds me of those old 3 Lakers that we had when we got Carl Malone, Gary Payton. We just throwing stuff with uh, to match with Kobe and Shaq. And, I mean, we did ultimately get to the to – the, to the finals, but pit, the Pistons like mop the floor with us. It's kind of like that. I mean, you can't expect to just throw all these, you know, like you threw Grunk in there. You got AB, which he had a good game this past Sunday, and you got Mike Evans and Godwin, and just feel like and, and that's my that's really my beef with them because it's like I shouldn't get them too much because they're in my division. But you got running backs like Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, and you really don't utilize them. Like, why not? You know, why not utilize your running core, running back core and try to set up these plays to the other people? I mean, if it's something that they can figure out, maybe. But I, I'm just – that just really just kind of irks me. I'm like – I mean, I guess as a Leonard Fournette fantasy football owner, I'm like that. But yeah. just in general, you know, Ronald Jones is, a, is is proven to be – I have to walk back my statements a couple episodes ago by calling him trash. He's proven to be a good, a pretty decent running back this year. So this is like, why don't they rely on a running game like that? And that, that's a lot with Bruce Arians' philosophy because he was like that in uh, in Arizona. But it, it just it, – it seems like Bruce Arians doesn't have the personnel that he wants or, or something like that. I don't know. But we'll see. Um, so in, in that, we'll just transition into our opinionated bench, bench warmers ranking, NFL rankings that you can find on our Instagram, O underscore bench warmers. Uh, one through five, we we definitely have some newcomers, which was ironically y'all's two teams, you know, the Colts and the Rams. You know, we got the Rams at five and we got the Colts at four in our rankings. So I don't know which order y'all want to go into, but, you know, y'all can, you know. We go five to one. Um, you know, I'll talk about the Rams a little bit. Um, you just look at the last two games, you know, make an argument for them and, the Seahawks, you know, Seahawks was a red hot team going into that game in a primetime Sunday night game when they played um, and they beat up on the Seahawks and won that game, you know, and shut down Metcalf, um, you know, and you look at that and they were in our top five at the time. And then you look at obviously this Bucks team that was won and won pretty good and convincingly they can't, they obviously struggled against the Saints, you know, who again, another team in our top five. 
Um, but again, they're coming off a win, and then you beat them in a primetime game. So again, right now, you I look at the top five. I had a couple people hit me up when I posted it on my timeline, saying, "What about the Titans? What about the Bills? You know, these teams. You have this bunch of teams that are all by each other, right? With similar records." Um, you know, but you got to look at the hottest teams, you know, who are these teams playing, you know, where, where, where are these wins coming from? Are they just beating down on bottom of the bottom teams or not? So again, I think right now the Rams is one of the hottest teams and that's why I think they deserve that, that five spot on our rankings. Well, I mean, I saw them in the Monday night football game. They, they really were impressive as far as their defense and, um, holding the books down. Uh, I think that, you know, you, you had two receivers on the Rams in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who had, each had 10 receptions, 100-plus yards receiving. Um, so, I mean, that, that that was very impressive. Uh, I, I do think that the Rams are, are more than deserving. I mean, the Rams have been kind of shaky all year. Uh, one day, they, you know, they'll have a big win, demolish the team, and then they'll come back to a team like the Bills and get ran over. But uh, I think that, you know, the Rams are ultimately a tough team. I think Coach McVay got a great thing going in, in L.A. And uh, I think they're they going to be a, a definitely an NFC contender this year. Yeah, uh, I think you basically covered that. So I might as well be the one to take it on to, to the Colts. Um, and I feel like, you know, almost kind of a similar thing somewhat with the Rams as you're looking at a Colts that's a top three defense in the league right now. Uh, for several weeks, actually, have been the top defense. I think may have regressed to about two or three at this point. Um, but I think that's really essentially what's been carrying this team, especially in second half of games. I mean, you look at – I know you mentioned the Tennessee Titans as a team that someone's mentioning. Um, and you also look at recently in our rankings. Um, and you look at in the second half slash overtime of both of those games, you have – 21 nothing in the second half against the Tennessee Titans and a 20 to 3 run basically against the um against the Green Bay Packers and it's about that defense man that defense is so solid at this point and the adjustments that Frank Reich makes at halftime but also too you know Michael Pittman is finding his way in this league now at this point and is becoming a reliable target for Philip Rivers and our main thing as a team as long as Philip Rivers doesn't sabotage us as long as he doesn't make those typical Phillip Rivers plays that, you know, I talked to y'all before the season and during the season about, I'm always candid about my team and I don't just wear coats of glasses and just think, Oh, everything is going well. As long as Phillip Rivers doesn't make those plays to lose us games, we have the solid enough pieces everywhere else throughout the team. The running game uh, is pretty solid at this point with Jonathan Taylor and the way Naeem Hines has been playing. Like I said, you know, he's getting reliable weapons on the outside now, especially Michael Pittman. And we know what that defense led by Darius Leonard has been doing. So I think they're deserving of that four spot. But like you said, it's several contenders right there in that four to probably eight range within the league. Did it well. <laughs> you, you covered it well, man. Of course, that's your team, Indiana Colts. I think this may be the first time in OB rankings history that all three of our teams are in the rankings. So that means that lets the listeners know that we're not biased, that we definitely, you know, we do our homework on where we rank these teams at. So then we got the Chiefs. Of course, the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs. But then we got the Saints with Taysom Hill, who made his quarterback debut as a starting quarterback for the Saints. And, I mean, he impressed. I, I think that he made all the throws that he needed to make. I feel like Coach Payton really called a great game for him. 
as far as doing what he was comfortable with. It was nice seeing that running dynamic, but however, in play, in if it wasn't the design run, he really didn't showcase his uh, escapability as much. I would like to see that more uh, in this next game that we got. But I mean, overall, I have no complaints. He had two t- two two rushing touchdowns. I mean, I have no complaints. He ran the offense, and I think I joke with Lowe's. I was like, you know, he did what every back backup quarterback should. Find, when in doubt, find MT. <laughs> and he, he heavily targeted MT uh, to my demise that I was actually playing Ramon in my fantasy league, and he got MT, and MT just demolished me. But I, I love to see him just going to his – Who know, won that matchup? <laughs> Ramon won. <laughs> By a little bit, by the skin <laughs> of his teeth, but he won. Win is a win, bro. Win a win is a win. win. But, hey, look – it, you know, it, it was good to see Taysom. I think that he – it was nice to see him get comfortable throughout the course of the game. And I think, you know, he's going to get better and better. And I think, you know, if, if Drew decides to come back, we'll be in good hands until he does. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you covered it well. And the thing about it, man, I know it's the Taysom Hill segment, but can't leave out that defense, man. Being able to Ooh, lean on a defense yeah. like that. The way that front seven is playing. Uh, hey, I mean, best front out. seven in the NFL right now. Yeah, I can give you that. <laughs> I can give you that. What about you, Lowe's? <laughs> they up there. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely are. The, I, I think so, man. I mean, Trey Hendrickson and, you know, Cam Jordan and, you know, Davenport. I mean, they – I don't – I mean, we just got so much depth on that line, man. It's just – I mean, it, the defensive line basically controlled the game against the Bucks, and they basically controlled the game this week. I, I mean, I have nothing to say. Mind you, Marshawn Lattimore, our best cover corner, was out this game, and we – it didn't seem like it because we – you know, we was handling business. So, shout-out to that D-line. Um, they get the game ball. Shout-out to Taysom Hill for holding it down. We're going to move on to the 10-0 Steelers. First time in franchise history they've been 10-0. The Steelers continue to collect wins. My question to you guys, are they a conventional, dominant, undefeated team? Of course they have the wins, but do you feel, looking at their record and looking at how they play and how they're able to win games, do you feel as though that they're the best team in the NFL right now? Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I believe they can be classified as the best team in the NFL, but back to your point about are they like that 10-0 juggernaut that, you know, maybe you've seen in times past when you looked at, you know, you know the the Broncos back in the day, or and I know Colts had a run, the Saints had a run. Like, I I won't say they look like, to me, one of those all-time juggernaut, like 10-0 the teams, but I think uh-huh. that they're the best team right now. Um, it, yeah. Okay, I, I would say that they're the best team in the league, but I'm still not buying them as my Super Bowl favorite. So I don't know if that totally lines up with with well, what the praise yeah, I'm trying to give them. The, the interesting thing about it was the last team that went ten and zero was the Panthers in 2015, right? They were the last team that went ten and zero and went to the Super Bowl. But we they all got know what happened. Yeah, we know yeah. what happened in that Super Bowl. So. It, I mean, really, the records, again, it almost scares me when those teams are 10-0, and 0, go undefeated all the way to the Super Bowl. The track record lately hasn't been great on that. So, again, yeah. I, I kind of feel you on that, Ramon, when you say 
you don't know if they're going to be your favorites to win it. Because, again, all it takes is one game, you know. One game, team scheme well against you. One turnover, one muffle punt, and it's it. You know what I'm saying? So, again, it, I, I feel you on that. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. The, the thing of – when I look at that 2015 Panthers team, that was Cam Newton's uh, MVP season. They they relied heavily on on Cam's ability to score with his legs and with his passing. But when you look at that team, they they relied also heavily on their defense. But at the same time, Cam didn't even have any weapons, so they had they definitely had weakness. When I look at this Steelers team, I'm looking at probably the best wide receiving core in the NFL with Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Juju. So. I mean, then you got James Conner in the backfield. You got Big Ben, who's been, who's playing as 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 good as ever this year. And then you got you look at the defense with Minka and and, and those guys. I, they are looking like they are a team that I don't really feel like I see a weakness in. But that may be may just be me. Uh, but they 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 they're well coached. I, I mean, I. I don't know, man. I, I think I, I, I said it like a few weeks ago. I think that the Steelers are the best team in the league. Um, yeah. I, I do feel like they are that juggernaut. Yeah, and like you were saying, I mean, I think that they're the most complete at this point. Like you were just basically saying, you can't really uh, pinpoint really a total defined weakness at this point. But hmm, I still, like I said, for the long haul, and it, maybe it's just me just because I believe so much, honestly, in Patrick Mahomes. I'm just going to say it. I believe so much in Patrick oh, Mahomes yeah. that yeah. even even with some of the Chiefs' flaws, especially some of the things that you see defensively from them, um, I still can't bet against that guy, man. I just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. It's man. tough to do it, man. You've seen it. You know, it was ironic. You know, you saw Indiana and uh, – you saw Indiana and the uh, – who was that? Who they played? The Packers? The Packers, Packers, yeah. Yeah. And you saw that, you know – of course, they – oh, yeah, that was your coach, Ramon. Yeah. But you saw that the only reason that they won was, was because of that uh, MBS fumble. You know, Aaron Rodgers had them going. And then you you, you saw that that was the, the evening. I won't say the only reason. Yeah, Don't take it from my coach okay, like that, bro. man. My, don't apologize. take it from my coach I, like I that. Mean, I kind of agree. I kind of think so, man. <laughs> nah. I, no, no shade to the coach, man. But, hey, hey. Yeah, I caught hey, a break. Yeah, I caught a break, man. <laughs> it, it, y'all it caught a break. All, yeah. all game. Huh? All game, y'all caught a break, man. All game, I mean, we caught a break. How? No, I'm, I'm just saying because, I mean, again, we shut them down the second half except for one drive at the end. We shut them down completely the second half except for one drive. And then they, they kind of had something going in overtime. I'll give you that. They kind of had it going. But, I mean, you got to look at it. If we don't start shooting ourselves in the foot with – Holding penalty after holding penalty, that game is wrapped <laughs> that up crazy. in regulation. So, nah, yeah. I'm not letting y'all fly I didn't with mean, that. I didn't mean to stir up the pot. But I, I ain't letting y'all fly with that on my coats. Uh-uh. <laughs> to my point, though, it, it was amazing to see Aaron Rodgers because y'all had the evening game, right? And then to see the nightcap with the Chiefs and to see Patrick Mahomes in that same position with two minutes left leading his team to the win – which they could have very well lost. I was like, man, it's you watching two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it, even though Aaron Rodgers' stuff was cut short because of NBS. But still, it was just amazing to see. And that, that to me, differentiates the, the greatest quarterbacks that you'll ever see. And I just thought that was ironic. But 
we'll move on. I kind of did want to get y'all thoughts. We're going to flip to college football right now. Uh, so we will defer to our college football correspondent, Ramon. <laughs> what you think about Davo Sweeney's comments, man? He uh, recently, the, the Clemson versus – all right, let me back up. Okay, the, the Clemson Tigers versus the Florida State Seminoles game got canceled this past Saturday. Um, the day of, a few hours before kickoff, and Davo Sweeney, uh, head coach of the Clemson Tigers, made a comment about it and said that COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. I have no doubt that their players wanted to play and would have played, and same with the coaches. To me, Florida State administration forfeited the game. To me, when I first heard him say that, I thought it was insensitive because you have people dying because of this disease. So if I feel like if there was any implications of this game needed to be postponed for the safety of human life, then it should have taken place. I think that Devil is showing a little bit into his character of who he is. Um, it was just kind of disappointing to see. I think that there's more important things in life than football. I understand the passion as a football coach, but I don't feel like – I don't see where he gains in making a statement like that. Yeah, and I, I think that he would have more grounds to make that statement if this isn't something that we haven't, you know, seen going on. If this was the – they were the first ones to do something of this similar effect. But we've seen over the last few weeks so many games either postponed or canceled. I know this one happened to be more at the last minute than some of those other games. But at the end of the day, it's not like if Florida State played Clemson this past weekend and ultimately lost like we expected them to do – that like that would be a program killer for Florida State and that, you know, they just had such this reason to go ahead and, and duck Clemson. Like, I, I think right there, that's, that's just very short-sighted of him. Um, it goes along to kind of the comments that even Trevor Lawrence made before the season, um, kind of minimizing some things as it relates to COVID. And then you saw, I mean, he actually got it during the course of the year and had to sit out a game. Um, and I think ultimately Dabo is just feeling a little bit more pressure too, just from the simple fact that, you know, they lost that game to Notre Dame. Uh, obviously you always jockeying for playoff positions. So you want as many wins as you can get. You want as many style points as you can get. So you feel like you got an easy win against Florida state where you can run up the score. Uh, but ultimately like at, at the end of the day, you gotta, like they say, read the room, man, like read the room at this point. Um, and, and you can't make a statement like that. That seems very insensitive. That seems very selfish. And this is the way that we've been seeing a lot of things go on in college football. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, My bad, brother. But no, I was gonna say, yeah, I was just that was gonna you hit on the point that I was gonna hit on. I think again, because they're coming off a loss, you know, because they traveled, you know, and they were really there in Florida, ready to play. You know, um, and like you mentioned, they needed to get a win under their belt right now. You know, they still have that, that almost that stink of that loss on them. They wanted that win right now. They felt, again, great credit. They're still in the playoff situation right now. But, again, they I feel like they just wanted to get that lingering loss off their, their, their minds. You know, you know how it is after you lose or even if you see your team lose, right? You're just ready for the next game, right? And so – I mean, again, it, I, I'm not making an excuse for him. I'm just seeing I, – I know that's where he was coming from. You know what I'm saying? I know that's where he was like, hey, let me 
we, we ready to play. We was ready to play. A lot of players came out and said that from Trevor Lawrence. We was ready to play. They ready to get that stink of loss off them. But, again, it, it's no excuse, man. It, it, again, if you're going to put people at risk, you shouldn't be playing, you know, no matter what. Football, at the end of the day, is a game, you know. It's, it's a sport. <laughs> it, it, it'll still go on, you know, whether we, we live or die, it's going to still go on without us. So, again, I, I don't get why he did that. But where is this PR team? Because, I mean, you're not going to win that battle. <laughs> you know, you're not going to win that. And then he doubled down on the on the comments and and just mentioned how how many coaches Florida State has had in the four in the last four years. Like I don't know, man. Dabo, come on, man. It, you know you you're one of the best coaches of this era under Nick Saban in the past decade. You've had you've been very successful. You don't have to do this, man. You really don't. You know, and it's just sad to see. I, you know, I, I really it was distasteful. Um, with just me knowing the implications of COVID and how it has affected people, you know, I would never put a game over human life. It's just, you know, it, it just doesn't add up. And, you know, hopefully Dabo, you know, hopefully an apology is coming soon. And hopefully, you know, maybe someone around him that cares about him will inform him about the implications of what he's saying. Because clearly, I don't know if he doesn't want to see it, but, you know, clearly those were ignorant statements. And you know it, it, it's just plain stupid. You know we, we I think as a culture we have to uh, understand and we have to call things what they are. And it just what he said was just plain just stupid. And I'm hoping that you know someone who cares about him and that loves him can kind of inform him on what he's doing. And we we are getting I'll be reporting on the next episode that he apologized. But moving on, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit, uh, guys. The bag has been opened up. NBA free agency is going nuts. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what else what else to say here, man, but people getting the bag, man. People getting the bag, bro. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it got a lot of people not counting their money no more. Uh, we got a, a few guys that didn't really – that has really, really, really cashed in and – I mean, it, that 2017 draft class is crazy. And, I mean, when you got that many max players, it only points to one thing, that there's a lot of talent. So I think that that 0-3 class with LeBron and D-Wade and those guys and Melo, that may have been one of the best classes that we had seen up until this point. But I think that this 2017 class may be giving them a run for their money. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I know that the future – it's remaining to be seen. I need to see some more. I need to see some championships from these guys. But as far as their initial output in that franchises are feeling comfortable in giving these guys this amount of money, they must feel like they have something there and they're not making it up. And, you know, I think that it's, it's greatly awarded. I want to start off with Darren Fox in Sacramento uh, signing a five-year, $163 million contract with the Sacramento Kings, which is, I, I would, it would suck if I was him just because of the history of that franchise and their incapability of making a roster that's successful. But, you know, I think De'Aaron does deserve it. And, you know, I think that he does deserve his contract and I think that he is a cornerstone that you can't build around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It, no, I, I'll take this for mine. Um, 
I think you look at that draft, right? And <laughs> you look at names like Jason Tatum that was in that same draft, Lonzo Ball in that same draft, players that the Lakers pass on. Again, you know, we love to make it about the Lakers somehow. And De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball, obviously their 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 growth, their stuff went back and forth in college all the way into the NBA. And he got the bag before Lonzo Ball. You know, that part is was crazy and needs to be talked about. And I think he's worth it. You know, he that dude is just electric on the floor. The Fox, you know what I'm saying? That that's his nickname, you know. So again, I, I like I like the move. You know, again, you look at a team like the Kings, where they need to lock down players like like Fox, you know, cornerstones because they don't really have much talent on that team and all the talent ended up leaving at some point. So, again, I like the move and I think it was a smart move by the Kings and locking up Fox because he is a cornerstone of that franchise. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to really add to it, man. Nothing to really add. All right, let's move on to the next contract that was signed. That's Jason Tatum, a $195 million contract, five years with the Boston Celtics. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll go in and chime in on Tatum, man. Um, honestly, from this draft class, I believe that at the end of the day, he's going to be the best player uh, out of this class and will have the best career out of this class. And I think it's it's well-deserved. I mean, you even saw him his rookie year, what he was already doing, um, even especially in that playoff run, having that head-to-head against LeBron. But he just, you know, exemplifies that wing player, that go-to wing player that you can build um, a championship team around and um, it, his game is just is versatile he has so much in his offensive bag there's pretty much almost nothing offensively that he can't do he's becoming a better defender at this point in his career and um, I think it's well worth it and and you know he got that little extra incentive by uh, making one of those all NBA teams which caused his deal to bump from that 163 to that 195 um, and so I think it's well worth it, an investment that the Celtics needed to go ahead and make because you see he's 100% a franchise cornerstone type of piece. Wow, that was great. Uh, so we're going to just transition, man. Another guy that the Lakers passed on, Donovan Spider Mitchell, signed a 195 mil five-year contract. Well, one, 163 the- right now until he oh. makes All-NBA. Okay, so it's one ninety five. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's a one sixty three initially. You make all in the end, but anyway, it's big money. And Spider did it. Donovan Mitchell with the Utah Jazz, guard with the Utah Jazz, uh, signed uh, a one sixty three million dollar five year contract. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think that it, that was huge for Utah. I think that they finally got that stability that they need going forward. And they have a guy that performed in the bubble that was going head-to-head with Denver Nuggets. You got a guy that can just drop you 45, 50 points. I think that he's a special talent, even at his height. I think that the Jazz got this one right, man. I think that you got to – you know, I, I think that these NBA teams are, are understanding that, hey, look, when, when I find my guy, I got to lock him down. They did him a favor. They locked him down. I think that they have a great leader, um, a great guy, it seems like, just – just getting a feel from him through interviews and everything. Just a great guy. And, you know, I think that they're going to have somebody for the future that they can work with. Yeah, man. Last year, Donovan averaged 24 points, four rebounds, and four assists. You know, those numbers are nothing to scuff at. I mean, again, he's, since he's been in the NBA, he's averaged at least 20 points a, a game, which is crazy. That 
that number by itself coming in as a rookie and averaging 20 points is, is nuts, you know. And then the following year, his numbers have increased. Every year he's been in the league in every category. So, you know, like you mentioned, I won't stay on it too much longer. You know, they made a smart move by bringing, obviously bringing him back. The Miami Heat. Bam, I, bam, I say his name. I don't know. Out of Bayou. Out of Bayou. Signed a massive $163 million five-year contract. And I, I like him a lot, man. He's a he's a guy that prides himself on defense. Uh, I think that his offensive game will be developed, but he can go and get you buckets as well. But Y'all know, I mean, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to let y'all take it over because y'all, I have expressed how much I love what the Heat um, organization is doing with their roster and the toughness that they bring. But I think that this was this was really needed for that team, and I think that they're going to be ready. They're going to be good for years to come. Yeah, yeah. that team pretty much they, – they pretty much the team that said, hey, let's run it back. Outside of Jay Crowder and swapping it out for Avery Bradley – that's literally all they did was swap out Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder obviously signed with the Phoenix Suns, and then they stole Avery Bradley from us, which I'm not really too happy about when I say us, the Lakers, obviously. Um, you know, it's, it's – it's, it's, they really said, hey, if we were healthy, we feel like we would have won that series. To each his own, I still think we would have waxed them. Maybe yeah. they got an extra game in there or something. But, uh, again, I, I don't I, – I like that team. Yeah, I think two things just really quickly with them. I think uh, one thing is that they're still trying to position themselves for the Giannis sweepstakes a year out from now. So they weren't too overly aggressive to maintain that cap flexibility. Uh, but also, too, to me, what sticks out with this Bam out of Bayou deal is that you're seeing him do something different than most of these guys typically do. He took the full five years, like, guaranteed, no, uh, no player option or anything like that. Like, once they were willing to commit max money to him, he just went ahead and said, you know, it's just going to be the full five years, no player option for that final year. So that's going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, it'll be a while from now, but four years down the line, if he truly still feels the same way uh, about not having that player option when he sees guys like Tatum have the player option and Donovan Mitchell have the player option and De'Aaron Fox have that player option. But I just thought that that was interesting that he just went ahead and said, hey, full five years, no player option. I'm all locked in. Yeah, they all locked in when they're young. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't lock in right now with what they're showing uh, with that roster. I think they're gonna be good for years to come. I think that eventually, I think that that Eastern Conference is gonna filter through Miami. Uh, if it doesn't, if Brooklyn doesn't work out, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of transition. Uh, we had the NBA draft transpire. Um, we saw the New York Knicks take a high flyer uh, 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 type of type of forward. I mean, I don't know what that says for Ruben. I mean, for Randall, um, that's their former Laker. But I mean, uh, you, you also saw interesting picks, like you saw uh, the ball, the ball, Lamelo Ball go to the Charlotte Hornets. You saw James Wiseman go to the. Uh, the Warriors, and then you saw at number one, of course, you had uh, without question. Um, help me out, guys. Who Anthony was, Edwards. Anthony Edwards went number one um, to Minnesota. To Minnesota, with you know, I kind of want to start off with, with with the Warriors because, of course, the big story is that uh, unfortunately Clay tore his 
Achille that was confirmed. And, you know, we thought that, of course, that with another year, of course, they was depleted. My personal feelings is that I think that um, that uh, Steph could have played, but he, you know, took a year off, a lot of injuries. And, you know, we thought that they was going to run it back, you know, but, you know, now you saw Clay go down. Do you think that the Warriors, do you think they will compete this year with taking a James Wiseman? Do you think that will take them over the edge? Um, I would say for that team that they are still going to be an interesting team kind of in that middle mix in the Western Conference. Before, I had them in the upper echelon. Uh, of course, you know, we got the Lakers up top. We got the Clippers that are contenders up there and so forth and so on, whoever you want to have. And so I felt that they were in that upper echelon. Uh, but with Clay going out, to me, that put them in that mid-tier. I do like the move that they made to go ahead and get Kelly Oubre. I think that he'll fit really well with that team at that two spot. Uh, with Wiggins playing the three. But I think that Wiseman will ultimately be a good fit there. Um, as we've talked about previously, for so many years, that was kind of the thing that was always lacking from the Warriors, uh, especially once they went away from, you know, the time where they had a, a decent piece with Andrew Bogut there. Um, ever since Bogut was the center there, they kind of have just been grabbing people, whether it's Zaza Pachulia from time to time or just kind of random guys at that position. So I think that Wiseman will solidify it. I think that he's a versatile big that can fit the way that they play. He still can provide space and even on that floor, he doesn't have to just be on a low block. He still can, you know, step out, especially hitting a 17 to, to 20 footer. Um, a versatile guy, kind of a little bit similar, they're different, but a little bit similar to Chris Bosch. Um, so I think he'll be a good pickup for them. But to really answer your question, I don't think that they're elite in the West at this point with him. I think that they fit in kind of that mid-tier or that second tier in the West. All right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Ramon. Um, um, so you saw LaMelo go to Charlotte, which kind of piggybacks off of what I would call one of the biggest signings of the free agency. And, you know, they was able to get your, your boy. I, I don't know what MJ's doing over there. I, I, I really don't. MJ, he's not a good owner. <laughs> he's not a good owner. He's not a good manager. Uh, I I don't know, man. I mean, I think Dave LaMelo, let's start there. Let's not shine on Let's not rain on this guy's the biggest day of his life. LaMelo Ball went number three to the Charlotte Hornets, who I feel like it may be a, a franchise player that they could, a, a big six, seven point guard who can distribute. I think his shooting has to get better. Uh, but I think that his playmaking ability will, you know, that's a good place to start. And, you know, they did select to take him. It does seem like he's happy to be there. Um, I mean, what did y'all think about Charlotte taking LaMelo there? Yeah, I think it was the best available at that point. You know, um, rumors came out that they were interested in him if he fell to three. I think they took the, the, the best player in the draft to be honest. Um, I think MJ got it right this time. You know, it's, I think MJ's biggest and hardest thing has been to recruit good players to Charlotte. You know, obviously he just got his probably his biggest signing that he's ever had in Gordon Hayward, you know. Um, I, I, I like it. I like it. I mean, I, I, like, I think they're doing the right thing. Again, that team's not going to really contend with those pieces, but it's going to take some time. But I think they made the right choice with LaMelo. So it's like you mentioned, uh, which I alluded to, it, you know, the 
Charlotte Hornets decided to sign Gordon Hayward to a big 30 million plus contract. Um, mind you, a guy that's been injury riddled after the tragedy uh, injury, of course, when he first signed with Boston. Uh, but, you know, he recuperated and it's been two years and he really hadn't been the Gordon Hayward that we've seen in Utah. But, you know, I don't know. You know, you, you throw 30 plus million at this guy. I'm not quite sure. It's been a while since I've seen Gordon. I think that when he first got away from Utah, he, of course, he was deserving of that money. But at this point in his career, do you feel like he's deserving of that? Uh uh, no, he, he's not deserving of that money right there. Uh, obviously, the Hornets are in an interesting spot that they have to. I mean, you got to spend. At the end of the day, there, there's only so much you can do, and you got to take what's out there. Um, now, what I do think is that he will look better in Charlotte. I think that the fit wasn't there in Boston anymore. I think you can see, of course, you know, Jason Tatum being pushed to the forefront, Jalen Brown being pushed ahead of him. Kimba having the opportunities. So I think you saw him, you know, battle the injury situations, but also battle his role there with that team. I think now in Charlotte, you'll get more of kind of the role that he played in Utah when he was at his best. But it still, of course, doesn't totally warrant that money that they gave him. But I think they're in a position, just like Los was saying, you don't get prime time you know, free agents to just sign up and say, hey, I'm going to Charlotte. So at the end of the day, when you got money to spend, you know, sometimes you have to make those kind of moves. I think ultimately their franchise will build just like, you know, you were talking about with LaMelo and through draft picks coming up. But to answer your question, Gordon Hayward, he's not worth that. But I think that Charlotte kind of had to go ahead and pay the premium just because that's not an attractive destination. All right, so finally, we got Anthony Edwards, the number one pick of the 2020 draft. Um, I think that he is a talent. We kind of sort of evaluated him somewhat. But was it a surprise of you going number one with LaMelo and James Wiseman up there? I think lately, lately, Anthony, like, kind of, you know, kind of uh, went up the, the score. But him going to Minnesota – you know, was you surprised that his name was called initially? Or would, you know, you, you expected him to be called? I was surprised, um, to be honest. I mean, again, I, I think he's the, the best player in the draft. But, again, with everything that kind of leaked out before the draft, you know, things that he was saying, um, you know, and, you know, things, you know, for those that don't know, you know, pretty much saying that football is his first love. You know, those type of things make you feel like he may not have a passion to work at it and become better. He might just try to rely on talent. You know, when you play in college, you can just be bigger, faster than people. You don't really have to necessarily work at it. You can just be um, gifted, you know, pretty much gifted, work at it a little bit and, and excel. But in the NBA, you're going to have to work at it because everybody is bringing it. Everybody is working. Everybody wants to be great. You know, they're on the biggest show. So, um, it, those type of things kind of concerned me before the draft. And so I thought they were going to actually pass on him. Um, you know, and I thought they were going to go with someone like LaMelo um, for that reason. Again, I still think he's talented. You know, if he gets the right type of coaching and the right type of mindset, I think he's he's going to be the best player in this draft. It just all depends on, you know, what he does at, after this point. Yeah. Um, and just to add, I, I wasn't totally shocked. 
Um, at this point, with those top three prospects, especially with um, Anthony Edwards and LaMelo, I always felt it was going to come down to one of those two to be taken at number one. So whether it ended up being Anthony Edwards or being LaMelo, neither one of them would have shocked me that much. I know a lot of people talk about the fit being better with um, Anthony Edwards being there, which you already have in D'Angelo Russell over there and so forth and so on, which I always caution teams on doing that anyway. I'm a you know guy that's going to always say, take the best available player. Uh, we saw a cautionary tale years ago when Michael Jordan got taken behind Sam Bowie because Portland felt that they already had Clyde Drexler, who was a similar type player, and they didn't go with the greater talent. So I'm always take best player available, which I would have taken LaMelo probably. But seeing Anthony Edwards at that spot is not shocking. A lot of talent evaluators um, felt that he was the top player in the draft. And like I said, to me, it was interchangeable between he and LaMelo. Yeah, I expected LaMelo to be called. Uh, I do. I, I feel like he should have been the number one pick um, just because of versatility, his height, his size, what he can do on the floor. Of course, his shooting has to get better, but LeBron's shooting had to get better. Dwayne Wade's shooting had to get better. So it, it's a bunch of play, great players, Hall of Famers, that came into the league and shot had to be good. So if your shot is messed up, that's the least of our worries. Um, I think that you get him in there and, and get his shot better, and, you know, you have a cornerstone, but, hey, look, um, I'm rooting for Michael Jordan, man. <laughs> I'm rooting for him as an <laughs> owner, man. Like, you know, you can't be the greatest player to ever play the game and just can't evaluate talent. Like, you let Kimball walk. Like, Kimball was a great, a great piece, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is, but, you know, I think we about wrapped it up. Um, uh, we appreciate everybody that has lasted this long and listening to us. Uh, continue to support, continue to subscribe, continue to listen, continue to share. Um, but until next time, we'll be back. The PNA Bench Warmers, we did it again. We out of here. Later. Later.